I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Enjoy your forgiveness. This is the motto of an Episcopal parish in New York City, Calvary St. George's. And I think that it states simply the message at the heart of today's readings. Jesus returns to his hometown after traveling through Galilee. He's apparently made a name for himself through his teaching. He has begun his ministry, and when he gets to Nazareth, he reads from the scroll the words of Isaiah. Of course, this would have been something that people had heard before and read all the time, at least once a year. It is what Jesus says afterwards that is so important. Because when Jesus speaks, things change, and it is no different here. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled for your hearing, in your hearing. He tells the crowd around him that his ministry fulfills this prophecy, that he is the anointed one to do the things written in Isaiah. And just listen to what is being fulfilled. The poor are brought good news. Captives are released. The blind are given sight, and there is freedom given to the oppressed. Forgiveness has been extended to all of those that need it. What an incredible statement. You'll have to tune in next week to see the reaction that people had to Jesus. Spoiler alert, they rejected Jesus. There's a lot of anger. <laughs> There's a lot of pushback. But today, we hear again that that scripture has been fulfilled. And that's the funny thing about Jesus' words. We know he said them 2,000 years ago, and at some point somebody decided to write this down and what Jesus said. But hearing them today, they are just as real, just as present and alive as they were two millennia ago. I wonder what this means for you as you hear that Jesus has fulfilled these words. What is it like to hear the good that the good news has been brought to the poor? Maybe you feel like that's a good thing. Good for them. Good for those poor people. They're the ones that need it. They deserve it. Good for those captives. Of course, they need to be released. But aren't you poor in some way? In some way, maybe that you're not willing to admit. Aren't you held captive by something? Maybe an emotion or a feeling that you can't let go of? Jesus has called you to live into the forgiveness that is offered. You see, Jesus speaks and things change. What he reads from Isaiah is different than what is actually in Isaiah. If we go back to what Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 61, it reads, The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me, he has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of, the ve and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. I was talking about this passage to a friend this week, and he says, do you see what Jesus took out? Do you see what he left out? It's vengeance. 
Jesus leaves vengeance out of this quotation. Why? Because Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy, and he brings us forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something we do. We do not do the work of forgiveness ourselves. And God does not take joy in punishing you for your sins. God forgives you of your sins. God forgives us of the ways we misuse our lives, the way we misuse our gifts, the way we divide ourselves into different factions and different camps. We didn't read the reading from Nehemiah this, this, from this morning, but if we did, we would see a people who were captive and then returned to Jerusalem and all of the, the new things that they are experiencing back in their home. And we would hear them weeping because of the words of the law. But Nehemiah and Ezra tell them not to grieve, don't weep. Your strength comes from God's joy. To share in this joy by helping those who have nothing, that is what you should do. And isn't that also what Paul speaks of this morning? Living in the joy of God's forgiveness, being baptized into the one body of Christ. It brings together people that would otherwise just not get along. And that is true of this church or any place. Everybody has so many different opinions, whether they're political or social or just individual. But it takes all members. Different parts are ultimately dependent on one another to work, no matter how important they might seem individually. So it's the same with us. We are those diverse people who would otherwise hate each other people that have different aspirations and dreams, we all come together. It's not about these gifts that are listed by Paul. Instead, it's about the community that works together because of them. Maybe you have seen the new Disney movie, Encanto. If you haven't, I commend it to you and get ready for the songs to get stuck in your head on repeat for days. Not to spoil it, but towards the end of the movie, the family at the center of this story is looking over their destroyed house. How do we fix it? How do you fix this house that has just fallen down? And all of these family members have magical gifts, so they should be able to do it, but nothing is working. Their gifts are useless. They've lost all of their power. But one of the children turns around and hears everyone in town. Lay down your load. We are only down the road, they sing. We have no gifts, but we are many and will do anything for you. This community of people who have nothing, they have no magical gifts, they come together and are able to do great things because they are working together for a common purpose. You see, the gifts are great, but if they aren't in community, if they don't recognize that one gift is not more important than the other, then they're useless. And those that don't exhibit gifts, they are just as important and included and as indispensable as anybody else. It's about living in that community of members, that one body, 
the one body that lives into the forgiveness that Christ has provided. It's a shared existence. It's a shared joy. And if we do anything, it is to share our lives and our love with others because we live together for the one common purpose of being a forgiven people, of sharing that message not just through talking to others and evangelizing, but by being who we are created to be, a people who are loved and beloved and want to share that love. Amen.